podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. start to finish, so I don't know whether that's a good, bad or a different thing. Uh, I'm Graham Phyllis and today I'm joined by Craig Gerns. Hello. And Craig Anderson. Hello. So we've got a plethora of Craigs and a plethora of Scotland things to talk about. So we'll get started off with a very quick uh, hotties or notties um, before discussing the Scotland game uh, and the latest in our rundown of the best 50 Scotland games of all time. So who's going to give me a hottie? I'll start at a hottie Finland. Uh, qualified for the first uh, for a major championship for the first time ever, uh, becoming yeah they were the biggest European country that had never done it before, and now uh, the they they kind of make us look even worse again because we are now we're pretty much the longest drought of any team that's ever qualified for anything in Europe. Super. Um, um, I'm, really, I'm also really pleased about that because I had nightmares that Glenn Kamara was going to put us out on, in the playoffs yeah. at some point or other because that felt very, 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 very nailed down the line of Glenn Kamara. Great season, then turns up at Hamden for Scot for for the Scotland Finland game and absolutely gives us a doing. So yeah, I'm really pleased that they're through. And and I think like there are it's a nice country. I've I've been uh, nice people. Um, pretty pretty similar to Scotland, I guess, and it's pretty grim generally most of the year round. <laughs> as we are sitting here at f- just after five o'clock in pitch black recording yep. this, uh, and and yeah, I think I think their fans will probably add something to the tournament. They seem a bit um, a bit like that, and um, if we end up drawing them, I don't know if that's even possible. Then we may see an Alexei Romanenko interview, which is uh, <laughs> also interesting. Only thing we're really looking for, Craig. What have you got for us? A view from the terrace. Haughty indeed. Yeah, getting uh, nominated for a broadcasting award, which uh, and it might not sound that much, but then you look at what's been nominated alongside, and it's like some of the biggest sporting events of the year: yes. Scotland v England at rugby, the the cricket World Cup, the was it the rugby World Cup final as well? Maybe uh, no, it wasn't. I think that wasn't in it because it was yeah, too yeah, late. Yeah, Ch- Cheltenham Festival, okay. the Chelten cricket Festival. World Cup, the cricket World Cup, uh, the Ashes, and the NFL show. And all of, well, with the exception of the NFL show, are all live events as well, which were all great yeah. live sporting events. And then the NFL show is genuinely one of the most entertaining shows on television as well. So, and and I suspect that it was the the cartoon bits that we featured totally on it probably, totally um, agree. probably Tip-tip. yeah. Otherwise, otherwise there'd be nowhere near the nomination. Uh, my hottie is the new Scotland kit, um, as we're undefeated in it. Um, so. While it, did, it was launched to not the loudest of fanfare and the greatest of responses, we're undefeated in it, so it's undeniably a good kit. Uh, I'll give you a naughty as well, which is Rachel Riley's PR agent. Um, <laughs> just go on Twitter. It's, it's yeah. quite a quite a scene to be see, quite a scene to see. Um, I, I met Rachel Riley when I, I was on Countdown a, a long time ago, and my um, she was my wife at the time. Now my then wife accused me of flirting with her. Excellent. Um, not 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 seriously, but she. Um, <laughs> I should point that out. It wasn't like some sort of bunny boiler thing. Like just was like, oh, you, you looked a bit too, uh, a bit, a too, bit too much, too, a bit too, too much of a banter with her. Yeah. Um, and I met her. She was really nice, but she does seem to have. Um, Gone a bit. Yeah, gone a bit. Uh, gone a bit. Of course, there's a vacancy there now. 
Well, well, not yet. That's Gary. No. Hopefully, Gary. I, I don't. She hasn't left Countdown as of now, is it? Has she? I think that was that was maybe proposed as in. Will they keep her on? Or am I, I making thought somebody this said this. I thought somebody said no. That I was just volunteering Gary to take her job. Ah, okay. <laughs> I <laughs> thought maybe she'd actually left. He's got experience of like yeah. standing about oh, yeah, and yeah. awkwardly. I did. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a very noble thing to do. Uh, Any more? Uh, naughty. I've got a naughty. Conflating a lie and a factual error is definitely a topical naughty. Um, also, in the same in the same breath. Um, Saying someone else's opinion isn't valid because they don't know every single last player in English League One. Uh, Peter Grant obviously was 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 plugging this line the other day, and um, Strachan had some previous. And we're on we're, yeah. uh, while we're on Scotland, Strachan had some previous for this. That after matches, he um, he he would pretty much preemptively dismiss all the criticism that we're going to get for yet another defeat for, by saying that. He had taken phone calls from some proper football men and they knew exactly what he meant when he said we were four passes away from scoring against Georgia or whoever it was. Excellent. My other hottie is voting. Voting's hot. If you're not registered, you can register however you want. <laughs> deadline this week. Yeah, deadline this week. So Google register to vote if you're not registered already. Please do vote. I don't really care who you vote for, but just do it because that gives you the opportunity to call the person who won a prick if you didn't vote for them. So... Good. Yeah, um, naughty for me is the match day entertainment at Hampden Park. Sort it out. Like it's a Scotland <laughs> game. It's not some day out. Honestly, like I don't want some prick for Clyde one. Yes, I'll get in trouble calling someone a prick again on here. I, I mean some indeterminate prick, some person, not from, a specific prick, some person from Clyde one. Specific last uh, time. Yeah, um, someone from Clyde one uh, doing a wee daft show at half time. Just get the proclaimers on. Just get Loch Lomond on. On a loop, half time, keep people singing, do it. None, none of this nonsense. They need to sort it out. For, uh, in all seriousness, the best Scotland performances have come with great atmospheres at Hampden in front of a sellout crowd. I think a half time at Ukraine and everyone singing, um, was it Loch Lomond? I can't remember. They, they, yeah. they record, to the point that they recorded it. Um, so the playoff game is massive. Make sure. You don't spoil it. Keep people singing noisy to intimidate whoever it is we're up against. Hamden is a noisy place when everyone's supporting the same team. So we don't need some Clyde one guy interviewing five-year-olds at halftime asking them who their favourite player is. <laughs> okay, Doc, so that, that'll take us on to uh, the Scotland game uh, where Scotland are now undefeated in three. So when aside, so we the last time we won three on a bounce was against Lithuania, Malta, and Slovakia before we chucked it against Slovenia in 2017-18. Does anyone want to take a guess at the last time before that we won three competitive games on the bounce? Uh, well, I looked up. I didn't look up competitive. I did look up when was the last time we won five in a row, which is what we'll need to do to yeah. qualify, unless we got penalties. And fuck no. Um, and it was um, under McLeish in the 2008 campaign, so I'll go for that. Yep, so we beat it Lithuania, France and Ukraine. Before um, bottling it against Georgia. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, um, we actually, uh, we won the game 3-1 and in the in the end won the game quite well. Yeah, the, the first half was horrendous, um, but the second half performance was, was very good. I thought it was probably one of the best 45 minutes I've seen from Scotland in a long time in terms of from start to finish controlling the game they're, they're, it, it finally seemed like they went they played badly in the first half a manager took them in and actually managed to fix the problems yeah. which whereas there have been a lot of games we've played badly in the first half 
and came out and played equally badly in the second half. And so, then with 20 minutes to go, made a couple of subs, yeah. and then that's maybe turned it a little bit. Um, so I, I felt it was quite positive in the end. I was sitting at half time thinking, my word, this is just grim. I didn't actually think well that. I, I, the first half, I thought we were short of a final ball, but we'd moved the ball reasonably well. People were moving reasonably well. And again, the last three or four games under Clark, the Russia and Belgium games are essentially write-offs because you're turning up with a squad which isn't ready for that level of football yet. But in the last few games, it does feel a little bit like there is, at the very least, an idea of what we're meant to be doing. I think I think even in the Russia home game, you saw some of that. The way we started that game, the, yeah. the, the way the goal comes from the combinations on the wing, that was very much a Clark thing at Kilmarnock as well. So I think there has been signs there before. There's just obviously been a few very... Uh, uh, Early setbacks into his, into his reign so far. I think he's unlucky, or I say unlucky, but the order that the games came in, and that because he, he we beat Cyprus, well, we were the better team at home to Cyprus, but we're lucky to win nonetheless, yes. mm-hmm. and then lost four games in a row. Mm-hmm. Sounds rubbish, but then you, you are playing Belgium and Russia, the, 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 both, the, two the, World Cup quarter finalists. The highest seeded team in the world, and a team that's probably doped up to the eyeballs. Um, which we can talk about later as a potential route without the playoff to the to the championship. So this, we could now be talking about the game that qualified Scotland for a major tournament for the first time. And I was one of the 12,000 people that was yes, <laughs> Yeah, one of the few um, people who trudged along. Yeah, but had it, you know, had it been Cyprus, Belgium... Cyprus again, Belgium, yeah. Russia, yeah, San Marino, exactly, exactly. And, we, and we just lost one, or, you know, lost exactly the same games. No one would have been quite so yeah, yeah. gloomy. Now though, it, it does have the the upside of that is that we are going into these playoffs off the back of three straight wins, which that's all anybody was asking for to begin with. When a football team cannot go from from not to sixty in half mm-hmm. a second, mm-hmm. you can't suddenly go from being utterly shy, devoid of anything, to winning every game five 0 and being yeah, dominant. Of course, yeah. So you need to scrape these results. You need to start somewhere. This the the somewhere was the San Marino game. Yep. Then Cyprus away just to win away from home. Okay, it was it was an unconvincing performance, but we we definitely deserved it. And then to follow that up again with a, a good win at hand and it's some, what you need. Some, something we've touched on before as well is the the, the possible issue in terms of the, the squad mentality and in both games, both the Cyprus game and the Kazakhstan game, the come back twice from setbacks within that and Cyprus obviously they equalised from a, mis- a series of mistakes and in the, the Kazakhstan game we went behind and then came out and absolutely thumped them so I, I, again that has to be a positive in terms of showing like, while we've we've had setbacks in the games but it's not affected us in any way at all even um, the Cyprus game was it, as you say wasn't convincing the Kazakhstan game you can see as you say as soon as we came out from the second half we were just ready to go from mm-hmm. that point. That was yeah, right from the kick-off yeah. as well. Right from the kickoff. And see if you look at the Cyprus uh, home game as well. That was obviously just after. Was that his yeah. second game? That was his first game. That was his first game. And we concede a fairly late equaliser in that game. And then we go on to score a late winner. And if it had been under the previous manager um, or even uh, uh, various Scotland squads from the past few years wouldn't have wouldn't have done that it felt like even from that moment that it was a, a little bit of a different Scotland now I'm not trying to say we've turned the corner we've no. still got a long way to go the defence is still a bit of a shit show which I'm sure we'll talk about but um, yeah I do think even in these early games there's some there are some signs yeah absolutely and again I actually th- I think that the second half has also solidified my idea that the only place for Ollie Burke there is definitely a place for Ollie Burke in the Scotland squad for me 
but it's coming off the bench with 20 minutes to go <laughs> which is absolutely fine oh because no, speed merchants coming off the bench well, you know I mean they're just essentially the defenders and again Kazakhstan I think, I think uh, Craig Anderson described them what was it the the, the technically best worst team you've ever seen. Yeah. And like they, they, there were certain things they were particularly good at. Their first touches were really good. The the kind of weight of a pass or the, or the kind of technique of striking the ball was really good, which, which we saw yeah. in the goal and which we saw in all three goals that they scored. Because, yeah. okay, yeah, we, we, we were shite out there, but the goals they scored, like a couple of them were, were sensational. Yeah. Um, and, but then they were they were just absolutely hopeless at everything else. You yeah. you ran at them, they just fell over. Or again, Ollie Buck with twenty minutes to go. At that point, it was to one. The game was broadly still in the balance at that point, and immediately Buck coming on and started to close down the centre halves, close down the goalkeeper, close down fullbacks as well. If again we get to the playoffs, we're a goal up with twenty minutes twenty minutes to go. Yes, I want Ollie Buck on the field. I want Ollie Buck chasing down everybody. And then hopefully we don't concede because they're fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> run into them. <laughs> right. He's built, he's built like a rugby player. Just, just be one. <laughs> yes. Um, do we have? I, I certainly didn't have any complaints about using the, the same team again that we, we've seen in Cyprus. I can imagine Hearts fans might have a bit of a gripe with that, but I don't care. Yeah, um, I don't care. I like the playing us at the weekend. Yeah, say on that actually that. Um, Stephen Nason has come back into two god-awful teams in the last few weeks and a 100% record over three games. Easy. Uh, I, I thought he was particularly poor, actually, on um, Tuesday night. I thought in the first half he was so far off the pace. Like, every time he just looked like... He looked like a, a guy who was played, in trouble with injuries. Three, three in, yeah. games in, in a year. And I would say in the second half he was more in the game. He linked up much better. Yeah, that, those triangles with like the likes of him, Forrest McGinn, um, McGregor sometimes were, were really great. Um, and and he obviously got his goal, but he, he didn't miss two... I'm concerned that he missed two chances. The one where he absolutely lashed at it when he got in a nice position. And then the one that, that okay was blocked by the defender. But I think... And inform Naismith. I think that. so. At the same time, though, in, in terms of Scotland centre forwards, uh, netting one out of three is probably about as good a ratio. Yeah, he's as in, we're get he's into double figures, and that is quite <laughs> rare for a Scotland player. Um, even with this uh, kind of depleted squad that we've got, and the the two games, which as as we know are the, the end of a campaign and possibly not the most important things coming along, but there are for me there are some players that have nailed themselves down and saying I am a, I'm a Scot- I'm, yep. I am your player in this and I'm I am the Scotland player in this position, and I'm looking at Palmer, yep. Christie, Christie Forrest, whatever he wants as well, yeah, just whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. One of three positions he can just slot in no other. Christie he's playing he's playing a different sport to everyone yeah, else, and now he's just he's just untouchable in yep. terms of um, how he plays. Obviously, John McGinn as well. And then that takes us on to the defence as well. I mean, certainly, I don't know if there's there may be other people on the team you, you guys think have sort of nailed themselves down. For me, Palmer, Christie, Forrest, and McGinn, they play yeah, regardless of anything else. Palmer, and Marshall, obviously, and Marshall as well because I don't know, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know who else there is. I think Palmer looks like um, he has a potential to be kind of like a dependable right back, yeah, solid. Like a, a decent right back. But there are he does I'll take, I'll take that fight. He obviously does have his flaws. Uh, you saw that for the opening goal in this game, and um, but. In the second half, both he and Taylor just grew and grew into the game and they were both excellent. Um, obviously, I, I d- it helped that the players in front of them were, had started to attack better, yeah, yeah. but they, they, they were just as crucial to the attack as anybody else. I do think Palmer dovetailed very nicely with Christie. I, I did say this in the, the chat, it would have been nice to see O'Donnell playing behind Christie because I think he could have done similar, but the, the, yeah. the time I'm not I'm not arguing he's a, a better player or he did well for Scotland or anything mm-hmm. like the sort, but I, I think it would have been interesting to see him play behind Christie a bit more because maybe you would have got more out of him 
Um, but Palmer's nailed that place down. It will, I mean, it will be a question if Tierney and Robertson are both in the squad for the playoff. Which one they, uh, sits on the bench well, behind well, Robertson well, and Eddie Taylor? Yeah, well, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but 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 the, there will be a thought to play one of them at right back. I'm sure. Or sorry, not playing one of them, playing Tierney at right back. Yeah. Um, but Palmer has made that a tough decision. Whereas before he would have went just chucked Tierney straight in. Doesn't yeah. matter. I thought I thought in the second half particularly Palmer was very good. I thought he was very good in, in Cyprus as well. I thought he looked very comfortable yeah. throughout the game. Um, to me, James Forrest is absolutely vital within the team as well. There was a, a point in the second half um, where he'd already been kicked up in the air, the ball broke behind him, and he just chased the boy down, threw him off the ball, took it, and then went back the other way doing the same thing 20 yards the other direction. It was just, I know it's daft that things like that deeply impress no, me, but no, for no, a, for no, a, no, for it's, a, about, it's about attitude for the whole yes. team. Because um, I thought that the one thing I really liked in the second half was their boy, for the second game in a row, one of their boys put in a horrific tackle yeah. that he should have been sent off for. It was on... Yeah, um, Taylor. No, it wasn't Taylor this time. Was it, was Taylor in, it was Taylor in right, Cyprus. Okay, I want to say it was... Um, right, I was Ryan Jack. It was uh, when Ryan yeah. Jack got picked up a oh, knock. Yeah. And immediately Gallagher, Naismith, all the players were piling in mm-hmm. and causing, you know... There was a bad one in Forest as well, just before half and, and, yeah. and the players stuck up for each other and, and there was a bit of an aggression there and I think what, as much as Nate Smith was lacking everything else he, he brings the same thing Scott Brown does which is just because you have to say for Scotland you're taking a massive hole out into that team when you take Scott Brown out of the same thing will happen with Celtic such an influential player to just lift there's, him out of your team there's yeah. someone who is setting the standard yeah. in terms of what the attitude is which regardless of however it it, again, it sounds like a proper like old school football yeah. thing to say, but I do fully agree with it. And attitude is, is a huge part of this because, as we've said before, these are all good players in one way or another, but there has to be an attitude carried with that as well. Yeah. Just a leader. Well, you're talking about Brown there, the, the leadership qualities that, he, that he's brought, similar to what Naismith does in the attacking area. Yeah, yeah. and that and that's yeah. He he had that same attitude, and um, you can see him with the armband. But for me, um, John McGinn is is the leader, the natural leader on that part. To the point, I would be tempted to make him him captain. I think he's more of a captain than Robertson, as much as, as Robertson yeah. as a player is obviously fantastic. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the way McGinn healed about the pitch is exactly what you you want to see. Yeah, and the way um, Clark has tweaked his position, taken him and tweaked his position. He's pretty much a second striker for us now uh, in a four four two. I know he drops back. I was going to say it's funny because yes he's a second striker but then at the same time he's absolutely not because he's always dropped because he's got so much energy it's where Malumbu played um, much of last season um, or when he was there Um, yeah but just so good over these games I love that front four I really love that front four and I know we have a couple of other players that we're in the squad at Fraser and that kind of stuff but I know you can I know you can question Fraser about whether his... Fraser, he's not he's got no commitment to it he'll turn no. he'll be on I think he'll put him on the bench and, and of course if, if we need him he's it's a good player to bring on but he's not committed to it at of all of course and so I'm happy to um, stick with those four those look excellent it's the obviously endless debate about centre half is still the issue as to where we where we need to strengthen is Declan Gallagher potentially a Scotland international it's difficult because of the, the level of opposition, to be honest. And Gallagher, I mean, he looked decent, but like I say, it's the, it's, it's the, it's kind right. of the level of opposition. Um, he, unless, I can't think off the top of my head at the moment, but unless somebody recovers from injury before, I mean, wait, we don't have any that's games with him now. No, no, that's it. Yeah, 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 so yeah. he might have the likes of Suter in that back. But So, I mean, a lot can happen between... Come on now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you might 
uh, a lot can happen between now and then, obviously, yeah. and it would be it would, would be reliant on his club form. I mean, that, that those performances aren't going to mean he's a nailed on starter for March, is it? Does it? No, and I think that's the thing. He's got a tough decision in that position in general. McKenna has not been good for Scotland for a long time, but at the end of the, at the same time, he's. 23, 24 year yeah. old already getting experience under his belt you've seen with players like McGinn and McGregor and McGregor they, they they're, they're grown into it you don't want to you don't want to stunt them but at the same time Grant Hanley has 40 caps for Scotland and it never no point did he ever actually improve and we did the same with him he made his debut at like 18, 19 and, and he continued to be exactly the same player for, for the entirety of it Hanley will be one that will come back into the reckoning I'm sure um, he, he's been unlucky with injury but he's been in every squad that Clark's picked um, Mulgrew will be back again mm-hmm. and, and the one thing Mulgrew gives and, and um, he'll, he'll accuse me of stealing his part if I don't say this at uh, Gordon Snedden on Twitter um, like Falkirk Mark um, will um, was pointing out that in the first half both McKenna and Gallagher are very similar and neither of them can pass the ball out of defence it's both it's big humps and they don't look comfortable and you compare that to, to what Clark had at Kelly where both Finlay and especially Broadfoot last yeah. season were really comfortable bringing the ball out um, Finley, Finley will come into contention I'm sure just the same um, my feeling is he will end up going with, with McKenna and Mulgrew uh, oh sorry McKenna and Cooper um, if, if Cooper's back um, and if don't think he'll pick Mulgrew he seems to pick Mulgrew every time I, 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 he's uh, been available it's hard to tell but I think those three will be the front runners regardless and I think, but I think Gallagher Finley suited if he comes back I, I don't think he will be by then um, will be in contention for it and, and Hanley likewise because I think he he doesn't know who he's sent a half star yeah, to be honest. It. He doesn't know. And and I think the other one, um McGregor I think in both games played much better in the second half yep. and he will play. Um that, that's a bit, he's played every single Scotland game for the he's last two years here yeah, in, in football. <laughs> it will be Jack or, or McTominay in the middle of the park. Jack I thought was was very good in the second half. Um I thought he played well in Cyprus mostly. Um, and my, but, my only disappointment was was I had a slight disappointment in the Cyprus game because he, he didn't control the game in, in the way that I'd come to expect from him for playing for Rangers but again this is the, this is the first time he's within a Scotland yeah, so right. it's the first time he's the guy in central midfield but McTominay's having such a great season yeah. it's very hard um, does it fucking tackle people no that's <laughs> um, so so there is a there is a challenge there but the rest of the team does seem pretty nailed on I can't see him now not playing Naismith in those games if yeah. he's fit um, if he's not fit if he's not fit, then fuck knows. Um, McBurney, <sighs> um, Bur- Burke is a centre forward the same. And then you're, and then you're down to Eamon Brophy, who he brought in. <laughs> Brophy's not a Scotland player. Um, anyway, I think that's something we've covered an awful lot there. So we'll um, move on to the latest in our list of top 50 Scotland games, which I think is number 46. I think that's right. Which is actually quite nice because we covered um, one of the the game before this earlier on in the in a show a few few weeks ago. Um, which so today's is Scotland nil Morocco three. So it was nice that they were following the normal game when it looked like we were going to win the World Cup um, by the moment that we were summarily emptied from the World Cup. <laughs> it was uh, it was not good. I, I remember this. Uh, I would have been what nearly nine at the time. So I, I, I remember going to a family friend's house and, and you know being pretty up for this and thinking we played well against Norway we played well against Brazil we'll win we'll win yeah. here and at the time you're thinking if we win you're assuming Brazil beat Norway that puts us through as it turns out it was irrelevant even if we beat yeah. Morocco 15-0 we would have Norway's, been anyway Norway but, scored two late goals against Brazil yeah. through. Um, but the funny thing is I can remember being thinking like at the time probably influenced by my dad at the time saying like Morocco are a really good team which I think they were but 
and, and they were being contrasted to the long ball of Norway. But then you look at Morocco's three goals, and all three of them come from big, <laughs> big punts up the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Norway, uh, were they were like third in the world at that point or something, but they're not, they're not yeah. like ranked th- third in the world. Edgar Olsen, like you say, with the long ball tactics. Um, but yeah, that, this game um, played in San Etienne, um, 23rd of June, um, and the Scotland team, Jim Leighton and goals. Um, I was trying to work it out, but I think it was left wing back Jackie McNamara, then there's three centre halves of Tom Boyd, Colin Hendry, and Davy Weir, mm-hmm. Christian Daly, right wing back. I was it not I Craig Burley, right wing back. Well, I thought they switched or did he for move this it, game. Did he it was Burley for the previous game against yeah. Norway, yeah. right enough. And then, and then the middle three: Burley, Collins, and Lambert, which as a midfield is pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty good. And then uh, Kevin Gallagher and Gordon Jury up front. So a pretty good sounding Scotland team. I actually think that. Christian Daly was left wing back and Boyd was centre half. We're no, no, yeah, I've, I've swapped that. I thought Michael oh, Mara played left, but it could have been right. I couldn't work it out. To I, be I, th- I, I honestly think I remember seeing Daly twenty two on the on the left. It's possible. Uh, and because um, he he talks about before the game how he had been playing centre back that season, but he said going into this game he had absolutely no intent on defending. Going into this Christian game because, Daly, Christian Daly, yeah, because yeah. because um, a win they thought would take them through at the time. Would, would and be, I think the rest of the team followed his lead. On would that. it be fair to describe Christian Daly as like his generation's Josh McGuinness? And that I mean, maybe he was a wee bit higher level when he was, uh, in he was the, a good player, when he burst through at Dundee United. He was a centre forward, yep. but by the end of his career for Rangers, he was yeah. playing centre half. And in between, he was wing back. He was holding midfield. Yeah, the season and they everything won the cup, else. And, uh, he played wing back. Central defence yeah. and on the the the, the side yeah. of a front three a few times as well. A bit like the boy Gallagher at Aberdeen as yeah, well. Yeah. Even at Rangers, what just being, Rangers, just he being, played everywhere. Being super fit gets you just, gets you some distance. Just wherever he was needed, he was yeah. played. And Rangers needed players that were like you know what I mean, players that had the stamina and could cover so much ground. Rangers needed that kind of, those kind of players in that uh, that UEFA Cup run that they had. Um, so, Scotland, yeah, so Scotland went into the game thinking a victory over Morocco would, would likely put us through. I think we were favourites for the game. Morocco yeah. were not considered great shakes. I don't think they'd, they'd previous two African Nations Cups they hadn't qualified and then the one that year they got knocked out in the quarterfinals. So they weren't some powerhouse. They yeah, had a relatively easy qualifying group as well, but they did have names. Yeah, they had a spattering of players in Spain and Portugal. So they had players at the likes uh, Sporting, mm. uh, three players at Deportivo. Uh, played at Benfica, another one at Porto. So yeah, and and obviously Hadji, he was the he was singled yeah. out by Craig Brown before the match, and he was like, I suppose being British football fans, he's the one that's known the most. Yeah, yeah. He's played at Coventry for a while and was like a tricky winger. Um, but yeah, I think I think the nation expected a win. To be honest, from this game, um, and we we started okay, but then conceded. A goal which pun up the field. Yeah, a big pun up the park and Colin, Colin Hendry. Colin Hendry turned like a super tanker. All three centre halves were made to look like absolute dafties for each one one each for each of the goals. And yeah, Hendry yeah, he, he just he couldn't run. It, it was fairly apparent at that point and And then in addition to that, the, the goalkeeper from Leighton is not good. No. Getting beaten his near post. Again, my main takeaway from that is that really that colour of shirt should never be worn by Scotland <laughs> ever because the only two times I can think of are the Georgia game that we fucked and Jim Leighton at the, in the Morocco game just never fucking wear a maroon shirt ever again done that colour is finished it is erased from the Scottish national team it's no longer available from Scotland altogether but, but yeah. Jim, Jim Leighton was 
39. He was one month short of his 40th birthday. Um, Andy Gorham had... Not, he looked older. Had not been um, in the squad. He had had some off-field controversy. It's an interesting one because Gorham, latterly or more recently, Gorham claims that uh, Craig Brown broke his heart and told him that he wasn't going to. He was told by an SFA official that he wasn't going to play, and that's why he left. Quotes from the time, and much more. Like so, that's maybe twenty early, just before twenty ten. He said Craig Brown ruined his career, broke his heart, had to look after himself because he was leaving Rangers. All of this. At the time, he gave uh, Craig Brown a letter saying um, that contentment's more important than controversy. And this is off the back of Gorham's had a a series, I'm feeling very Tory Anderson just now, (laughs) had a series of very high-profile things in the press, like spending a night in a caravan with a 17-year-old or an affair with a, a former porn actress... All of these things. Um, there, there was another um, thing to do with um, something to do with a guy from the UVF or something. As that well. was also true. I think that I think <laughs> I, that I, came later. That may have been afterwards. I, I just think, that's the one thing memory, I remember. I think that was when he was. I, at the I, I wouldn't like to say much more, but uh, but the thing is with Gorham, yes, it, that was the case, and, and Leighton was was still kind of considered a good goalkeeper at the time. But at the same time, Andy Gorham, three years after this, went on to play for Manchester United. Yes, very, same. very, very badly. Same but still, an emergency. that was that was uh, Alec Ferguson taking the piss. It was like oh, it genuinely was. He had to get subbed off in both games that he played. My Alec Ferguson, Man United were winning the league so much that he decided he could I'll take a goalkeeper on loan from Motherwell. From memory, it was. I think we cancelled his contract. Possibly, I think yeah. it was occasionally. He was offered a chance to go play for Manchester United. Could we cancel his contract? Yeah, you know. <laughs> like we we're essentially spending like one hundred and forty percent of our turnover on wages. So it's probably best to get rid of at least one of them in the meantime. Um, as well as that, like the, the at the time as well, um, Gorham was um, or was linked with like Brescia and various other teams around Europe. Like, that's that would have been a good story. That's a, an opportunity missed. I really feel in that respect, and that sending uh, sending Andy Gorham off to Italy in order to play football would have been. It feels like a missed opportunity for a bit of um, So yeah, that that was the first goal, um, and it was Sahaladin Basir who scored the goal. And, and the celebrations, magic actually. It's, yep. uh, it's very reminiscent of like um, well, Fabio Grosso being the more yeah, recent yeah, one, yeah, but also um, what's his name from Tardelli. Um kind of running away with his arms outstretched, like so much passion. Yeah, yeah. And we, I don't think yeah, I think that's what international football has got more of than club football is that kind of. It means yeah, an awful lot of it. It's like, uh, it's yeah, it's like a, it happens less often. Back apparently. then, as well, international football was seen probably still as above club football, wasn't it? I mean, it was probably in the throes of being of the dynamic switching the other way, but um, yeah. that was probably still around the time where the World Cup was seen as the pinnacle. Yep. Um, so we've got a second goal, uh, another long ball. Just over the top of Davy Weir, who um, Davy Weir was young at the time, which is, it's hard to imagine him ever being young, but he was. And he's only playing because Colin Calderwood broke his hand yeah. in the, the previous match. Um, and Weir was um, was was found out over the top, and then more so than Weir being found out. I said Jim Leighton's age, the boy lobs him. It's the worst lob I've ever seen. And Jim, no, he shoots. Oh yeah, I think he shoots, and it, it, so it means that to save it, Leighton has to just put his hands up. And I don't know whether he's anticipating a lob or something, but he gets it all wrong because he gets two hands on it, but still manages to push it into the over his head. I, I've never neck. seen another goal like it. <laughs> Do you want to know an interesting fact about this goal as well? So this goal and this footage has been used on Moroccan telly, and you know you have your, yeah. your VT to come into football. 
that shouldn't have been in like every one of them for like a decade following the World Cup. So everyone in Morocco is really au fait with Jim Leighton. So like ten years later, it was like in the build up to every. So it was like whatever Moroccan match of the Moroccan of the day is just that goal is <laughs> part of the clips building up in it as well. So Jim Leighton and Scotland are very well known to the people of Morocco. Yeah. Whether you were whether you were watching in ninety eight or you've been watching Moroccan football since then, it's one of those magic despairing <clears throat> moments in football where the ball goalkeeper's chasing, he's chasing it, but you're like you're oh, never no. going to get this. He Jim. does that fresh air yeah. swipe. He's pan, um, pan fresh air swipe right at the end. Um, Scotland had a couple of chances in amongst this, um, but nothing major. Despite <laughs> despite what Craig Brown described yes. him as on, uh, yes, uh, Craig, Craig Brown's. <laughs> World Cup Diaries. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you need to check out the World Cup Diaries. I mean, it's like uh, there's nine parts on YouTube and they're all ten minutes each. And in the final one, it's this game that we're talking about. And there's points where because Craig Brown narrates it, and there's points where um, he says, "Oh, and Kevin Gallagher was played in again." And it turns out that Kevin Gallagher was just passed to on the wing, and there's still about fifteen players between him and the the goal and there's another point where I think Scotland takes centre for the start of the second half and it goes back to the right midfielder who just we started we we kicked off well at the start of the second half and and they conceded like fucking eight (laughs) seconds later like what how have we kicked off well on the basis that he managed to not fall over the ball while he was taking the the kickoff but it comes back to whoever it is and they punt it towards the Moroccan uh, penalty box Craig Brown's commentary of that is we got ourselves into a threatening position and that turns out it's just the goalkeeper catching the ball in the box. Which, which they then directly <laughs> score from. <laughs> Unbelievable. Craig Brown was a master at spinning things after games. He was a master at drilling down into useless stats and somehow trying to spin that that meant his team did well. Oh yes, it was nil-nil versus Estonia, but we, we outdid them in corners. <laughs> Unbelievable. Craig Bowley, who had um, obviously, I think I was trying to work out, but I was thinking the time scale for that isn't actually correct. I was thinking that he had taken inspiration from the Romanians. I've got, but, I've got on my notes that Craig Bowley was trying to join the Romania squad. But we were in Group A, and Romania were in like Group G, so surely Romania. And I'm sure they did it for the quarter final or something like that. Well, wasn't well, it no, the they, last sixteen. No, they did it for the final group game, but they were already through. Uh, I think they played against. And then did they not? Did they shoot? They, they, they may have kept. Or... They may have done, but yeah. so I was actually thinking that. Potentially, Craig Bolly as well. But Billy McKinley already had it going into France. I saw Colin Henry. It was quite a. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was. A, it was a fashion at the time. Uh, I don't. It was a fashion at the time, but he looked like a fucking clown. Um, and but she then rounded off by being a fucking. He clown. also apparently received a phone call from a dentist in Munich after the Norway match who offered now I don't know if he ever went through with this but he offered to fly him out there and to give him some dental work for some publicity for his uh, for his dental surgery but I don't know like I said I don't know if he ever went through with it because remember he used to wear the fake yeah, ones yeah, yeah. when he wasn't playing because so. after we said that in the Norway game but we'll talk about that after that the, the front page of all the papers was him with fangs a million right okay yeah yeah um, but yeah the, the, the tack we put on the boy in the middle of the park is a classic 2-0 down I can't be fucked I'm just going to Yes, but this guy challenge. He's latterly said as well that if you're going to play at a World Cup, you might as well play Brazil, score, and then get set off. <laughs> like you tick all the boxes, fill them off, dick. Um, and then yeah, that I mean that killed the game. Uh, Torch McKinley came on for Jackie McNamara at that point. I don't know if that was planned anyway, but it, it came immediately after. Yeah, the, it was it, Burnley's walking off, and, and, and McKinley comes yeah. on later on. Uh, Scott Booth came on for Gordon Jury. 
Um, the third goal is another little punt up the park. It kind of breaks to the boy. And then if you think back to Gascoigne against Hendry, well, um, the Moroccan player does that to Tom Boyd. Yes. Um, yeah. Right over his head. Like a, uh, what's, the, what's the name for it? The, um, the dentist chair. Oh, well, yeah. well, that was a celebration. Yeah. I'm trying to think there's a name that they, uh, they, the skills folk Chipped over, yeah, chip over his head anyway. Uh, sombrero maybe. And then... Uh, <laughs> Bithier scores again um, probably it was a deflection of Colin Hendry that time yes. so Leighton was, was not at fault this time yes um, Leighton's actually a really interesting one on the whole in that his career peaked very very early and then went horribly wrong oh, I don't know if he said this I think he, he was he won the U Cup winners cup with Aberdeen yeah. 15 years before this yeah, yeah absolutely I know, he played for Man United for a number of years yeah. I mean because uh, it's funny it's like from football from players that you remember and I grew up and Jim Leighton was a footballer and it therefore astonished me to think that 15 years 50, like, like that when I found out about Aberdeen winning the Cup winners cup that po- how could that guy possibly have, have been involved in both things yeah. and so along the sort of, I mean he was, he was capped 91 times which is incredible to start with but in addition to that, he actually rates the Brazil game as the biggest of his career and the most important one to him. Which, as you say, bearing in mind that he won a he won a European pot, albeit the third most important European pot, but a European pot nonetheless. And he rates the Brazil one as being the biggest one of his career. So he, he had all that success very early in his career, won a bunch of Scottish Cups in the league and the European pot. One, not two. Um, and then Alex Ferguson <laughs> took him to Manchester United, where again it seemed like a perfect thing because Leighton viewed Ferguson as like a father figure and he was a big part of his life and then Ferguson dropped him it was after an FA Cup uh, final when they still had replays at the time he threw in a couple uh, as Manchester United drew three each with Crystal Palace Uh, Ferguson dropped him for the replay and Leighton was kind of without being kind of broken by it he he felt that he'd been let down by Ferguson he felt that he was really struggling with that and struggling to be a goalkeeper after that after having all that success and whatever uh, throughout his early career he then um, had a couple of really unsuccessful loan spells he went to was Arsenal Dundee and just never really settled again and then turned up at Hibs and it was at that point his career started to turn back around and and improve so to him getting to the Brazil game was much more a case of well this feels like more of an achievement because earlier on and that's perhaps natural for a lot of players. Things in your early career you maybe don't appreciate. As well, much. you think it's just going to keep happening. Yeah, that's what that's what football is, and that's it. Whereas when he, by the time he got back to Brazil, even though they lost, and he, uh, he's probably quite right in thinking that we should probably get a draw out of the game. But at the same Fucking time, Tom Boyd. Well, but I always Tom think if you look- he got to the, he got back to that level in a, in a way that he never he never anticipated to get back to that at all. But it's in the same boat. If you ask, probably ask uh, Cash and Daily Davy Weir, who are the young players in that squad. They they wouldn't have it wouldn't have felt so big to them yeah. because Scotland always qualified for the World Cup, but then for them to go on and have like another fifteen years playing for Scotland where it didn't happen yeah. for them um, would would presumably you know be tough. Yeah, um, so I, I've picked out um, one of the Moroccan players as oh, someone so to, to talk about. I don't know if it's the same one. Probably is has uh, to be. Well, Yusuf Rossi. Yusuf Rossi. He played for Dunfermline. Had um, a very interesting time at Dunfermline. Yeah, yeah, incredibly. <laughs> so he came on uh, after seventy-two minutes in this game. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I looked at it. And I thought I recognise that. Quicker name. than it took him to come on for Dunfermline. Yes, he, he, um, <laughs> he, he didn't have the best of times at Dunfermline, so they signed him. So Jeremy Col- he, he was playing for Wren at the time of yep. the World Cup, um, a lovely city, um, as as we we know. You, you, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't make it to Wren. Um, but uh, Jeremy Calderwood had been manager of NEC Nijmegen in Netherlands. and Where had he's apparently revealed. Calderwood is, yes. Yes. 
Um, and they'd had, not Yusuf Rossi, no. they'd had Yusuf Rossi on loan <laughs> for about four games and uh, so Calder we knew of him. And then when he was the infirmary manager, he, he was able to sign him. Rossi was just recovering from a cruciate yeah. ligament injury. Paid but, 200 grand for him. Yeah, so he was getting him on that the time in Scottish football. Yeah, I mean, that was considered <laughs> a bargain for a, a Moroccan player who was considered a very classy operator yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah, he had like, um, I think, had 58 caps or something from Morocco by the end, yeah. Um, and so... He was getting, by the end, I'm making it sound like he's dead. No, just by the, end, by the time he'd retired, um, he was coming back from. That's not the end of the story. <laughs> and he died. And he died. Um, he was coming back, and so he got. Um, he, he wanted to be back, and he, he played an under twenty one game against St Johnson. That was his sort of debut. I, I don't like calling it a debut because it's not a debut until he plays. Yeah, if you go team. on Wikipedia, it says um, made his debut again after four months against St Johnston. But then if you click on the link to the article, it tells you it's an under twenty one yeah, game. But he got sent off after twenty five minutes for a bad tackle. <laughs> so he um, that was a bit of a setback, which meant that he couldn't be picked for the next league game. He hadn't built up enough fitness. He made his debut, um, and then his second game against Dundee United. He, um, he got sent off inside the first half or certainly very early in the game with Dunfermline 2-0 two n- down two yellow cards one of the second one just ludicrous and then um, received a police caution because he gestured to the Dundee United fans the, uh, as he left the park ended up with a three match ban so it, it was a tumultuous start um, you can I don't want to just monopolise no this. no it's fine it's fine so there was one point where um I actually didn't find the reason that he walked out in the club, but he walks out in the club at one point, oh, doesn't he? He was linked with Udinese been all this with, time, apparently, as well. At one point, he was linked with Udinese. He'd been linked, actually, it seemed to be he'd been linked with a lot of clubs. Um, so, you know, Udinese, I think there was, there was teams in England that had been interested in him as well. And so maybe it was one of these situations of, like, trying to work his ticket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he basically didn't turn up. He walks out, he walks out in the club, and then after a few months or something, the, the, the club... Uh, cancel his wages to stop paying his wages and they claim that uh, his non-appearance fines have basically accumulated to cancel out his wages and then eventually um, I think he tries to sign for somebody else and Dunfermline get FIFA to put a ban on him so he gets a worldwide ban and can't sign for anybody eventually does a couple well, years he, later so, so then what I read is that uh, for the next season's pre-season training he just turned up oh, <laughs> hi guys yeah remember me you saw, um, because you saw more a, of the story than and, I did. and then it said they said he, um, he could only like there was a quote from like Calderwood or John Yorkson or someone saying, um, "Well, we had to do this because it was the only way he was going to get paid. Um, if if we can work out his heads in the right place, we'll play him again." Um, but he was then sold at a loss, I think, to Raja Casablanca. In between, something curious that I read was that at the end of the 2002 season, which was roughly 2001-2002 season when he went to AWOL for the start of the 2002-3. He wasn't selected for um, Dunfermline's pre-season tour. Would anyone like to guess where Dunfermline went on a pre-season tour prior to the 2002-2003 season? Port Island. Much further afield. Probably about as far afield as you could possibly get. Australia? New Zealand. (laughs) Dunfermline Athletic went on a pre-season tour of New Zealand. The 90s were amazing. Um, So... Yeah, the night in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, the spending was just yeah. incredible. Um, well, I have read before Aberdeen gone on um, pre-season tours of um, the Caribbean um, around about. But anyway, Ray Rose did that as well, didn't it? Well, no, it did not. <laughs> but that's an aside. But um, the other things I've got, he, tu- he turned up after a year and went to Raja Casablanca. Um, his name cropped up later in a story because um, the filming decided that one African centre half um, wouldn't, he wouldn't put them off. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, the filming at one point being heavily linked with another star 
star of the 98 World Cup, uh, Teribo West. Yes. Um, we're heavily linked with him, but it never really happened. John Yorkston suggested another Scottish team had been interested, and when someone asked him, is it Celtic? He said, well, you'll need to ask Martin about that. Uh, Martin O'Neill. Someone asked Martin O'Neill about that, and I want, I want to give you the quote <laughs> here because <laughs> because this is this is perhaps the worst your da pattern I've ever heard from a football manager. Martin O'Neill said, "There's more chance of me signing John West from the Salmon People." This is an actual quote on a BBC article. John West. <laughs> Martin O'Neill, your da before your da was a thing. Um, so that was that was Yusuf Rossi, and um, I did have another one on uh, Yusuf Chipo. <laughs> um, who was he, he played for? Um, he played for. Or he, he played for Coventry at yeah, some yeah. point. But um, so he, when John Collins, who played against played him in this game, Porto at this point. Porto at this point. When John Collins, um, who played against him in this game, was Hibernian manager, he tried to take Yusuf Chippo on trial. Um, but he didn't turn up. That was about eight years later. Because um, he remembered. We probably remembered John. You were shite, John. Um, and the other, <laughs> show me your six pack after the game. The other note I have, I'm talking to six pack. There was a um, Christian Daly after the game, and my word, his six pack was in. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the World Cup diaries. John Collins is obviously walking about yeah. topless. A few more. I mean, I just, I mean, that just, just adds to the authenticity of the thing because that's kind of how I imagine he spends every day. It's <laughs> yeah. like that picture of Scott Sinclair the other day on Instagram. If I looked like that, I would never have a shirt on ever. Um, and there, uh-huh. there was one nice uh, positive note to the end of this, which was one week later in uh, San Etienne, uh, was uh, Argentina 2, England 2, um, David Beckham uh, following Craig Burley's lead by getting sent off, and uh, Argentina winning on penalties. Good. Um, and in a word, yes. Well, is it Kevin? <laughs> Kevin? Will he score this, Kevin, in a word? Yes. Yes, and he, and he missed. Um, I think that round is off. That was a, a, a whistle-stop tour through a Scotland game, another, <laughs> another Scotland game, and some Delamitsu as well, so all, all is well in the world. It's, so it, it's the fact that the, the video is a parody of uh, the Brazil one at Prestwick Airport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just do the intro. intro. So we're off to record the Patreon now, where we have put together a list of every Scotland player who has been capped in this decade. Which rather annoyingly comes to 99, 99 players, which is really frustrating. Um, but we will, so we're going to start to try and rank them in a way that we possibly can and make sense. So today we're going to do uh, all of the one pointers. So we're going to go through them and have a little bit of a chat with them. You can listen to that by visiting patreon.com slash terrace podcast. Uh, the TV show that's inspired by this podcast will be back on Friday night at 10 something. And yeah, I think that's us. If you argue with, if you want to get in an argument with us, uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much, Craig's. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Graham. It's going to take too long to get to the chorus, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck this. Sports Social Podcast Network.